Jacob here from the Back to Back Films podcast. I just wanted to let you know that Keith, Byron, and I love bringing the show to you guys so much that we're collectively putting in 25 hours to the show every week, and we wouldn't change that for the world. But if you guys took 25 seconds to rate and review us on your podcatcher, we would love it even more. This helps us a ton and is often the only way for little podcasts like ours to grow naturally. And if we like the review, we'll even read it on the show. Also, if you want to become a supporter of the show, there's a link in the show notes. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash btpfilms and look for the support this podcast button. We appreciate all the donations and thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. podcast where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies i'm keith this is jacob and we will not be joined by byron who is dealing with apartment flooding issues water on the walls in the walls <laughs> my cat's oh, crinkling paper in the background and oh. destroying everything which is awesome so you hear random stuff that's that <laughs> cat back there that is because keith is in his house and not at byron's house exactly which is currently uh flooded which is where we usually yeah (laughs) where we usually record and uh so he's dealing with that he will not be joining us um and i was really curious on his take of on these two films so um yeah i don't know kind of unfortunate but it is what it is uh joining us for the first time ever (laughs) (laughs) is uh special guest ian ian how you doing Lovely. Yep, it's uh, it's been a Monday, and uh, I'm very tired, but I'm ready to go. Ready to talk about some some films. Um, ready to talk about some films. Nice. Asian cinema. Yes. So, a little quick rundown on Ian. Um, Ian is a writer and high school English teacher who lives in Sumner, Washington, with his lovely wife and two terriers. Uh, since falling in love with kaiju movies in kindergarten, Ian has been a passionate film fan. He's a particular fondness for Asian cinema and movies that make you go, what the hell did I just watch? Which, you gave me that bio when we had tried to record our first round of episodes, which was Cashered and Cutie Honey, which that last part really did apply, especially to, like, <laughs> Cutie Honey. Um, but oddly enough, I feel like it still kind of applies here because uh. these two films, although Tokyo Story is, like, a super obviously famous and well-regarded movie it's still kind of one of those ones that at least for me leaves me kind of like well what what the hell kind of was that because like <laughs> they're so it's definitely a shock yeah it's this it's, a, it's melodrama it's melodrama yes it is and then it's sort of just it's so different than everything else especially like ozu you know ozu is so peculiar with with his style so like 
I don't know. For me, like, I, I, I got what I was, like, kind of watching, but I was also just kind of like, what the hell? Like, because, you know, like, still walking kind of just, like, ends. And then it has a little epilogue, right? Like, it's sort of a film that kind of oscillates, like, a little bit and then just sort of kind of ends. So you're kind of like, well, mm-hmm. what, what the hell? Uh, not in a bad way, but it's just, it's interesting how, like, you know, like, we cover a lot of movies, like, for example, Alien, where it's, I don't know, it's fairly straightforward. Like we do watch it's like, like heroes, more hero's journey. Yeah, yeah. pretty clear, like, three-act structure. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's parts of Aliens that might make you say, what the hell, but the whole movie itself is, like, pretty basic, pretty understandable, pretty approachable, uh, where these ones take a little bit more of your patience and your time. Um, it's true. Yeah. So, Ian brought these two films to us, which I'm really glad you did, because Tokyo Story has been one of them meaning to watch anyway, so I'm glad we're able to finally cover it. Um, That said, the first film is Tokyo Story, released in 1953. Uh, An old couple visit their children and grandchildren in the city, but the children have little time for them. (laughs) Pretty, uh... Yeah, it's pretty much it. pretty succinct. The other one is pretty (laughs) succinct, too. Uh, Tokyo Story was written by Kogo Noda and Yasujiro Ozu, and it was directed by Ozu. Oh, God damn it. So then we go through the fun part where I get to butcher all the names because they're all Japanese. I can help you with them if you want. Oh, if you want to just, like, read them off, I mean, you can can do that. Uh, I can't share my screen, can I? Yeah, I can can look it up on on my phone. Uh, Oh, I can share my screen with you guys. Wait, 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 wait. Is this going to work? Uh, I'm seeing something. Uh, you're presenting to everyone. Do you see my screen? I see... Yeah. Uh, oh, there we go. Oh, uh, look at this. Here, I'll zoom in. Okay, let me know Let me know when you're ready. Uh, I can't remember how to zoom. I can, I can read it pretty well. Oh, okay, yeah, so we're, we're right here. Where the word okay. says it stars. So it stars Chishu Ryu... Chieko Higa, Higashiyama, uh, Setsuko Hara, uh, Haruko Sugimura, So Yamamura, Kuniko Miyake, and Kyoko Kagawa. Nice. Damn. Yeah, I would yeah. say that's pretty much it. I know how to read these Japanese <laughs> names. <laughs> um, dude, when we well, we already recorded the. F- Do we record Alps? No. We didn't record that one yet. Dude, the nope. Greek names are crazy. Like, oh, trying to yeah. read the Greek names and whatnot, like, was our planned, like, Lanthimos stuff, man. Yeah, uh, that, that guy who, like, directed The Favorite and Dogtooth, yep. and, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name. Exactly. The yeah. other, the actors' names are fucking really hard to, uh, pronounce. Um, the second film is Still Walking, released in 2008. Uh, family gathers together for a commemorative ritual whose nature only gradually becomes clear. <laughs> I, love the, I just love the plot descriptions of these. Yeah. Um, Still Walking was written and directed by Hirokazu Koreeda. And do you want to do the the actors? Yep. It stars uh, Hiroshi Abe, Yui Natsukawa, Yu or Yo, not really sure, uh, Kazuya Takahashi, Shohei Tanaka, Kirin Kiki, and Yoshio Harada. Nice. That's fucking... That's spot on and there yeah. is one that just says you because on imdb it literally her name was just you y-o-u so 
Yeah. Um, I thought that was like some Black Mirror shit going on. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it stars you. It could also you. be Yo, because like that that's a Japanese character, yo. and that's how you spell it in English. I don't I don't know. There's like a, a, a good chance that IMDb is just completely like wrong with that, too. So like... I don't know. You got to take kind of uh, take with a grain of salt. It's in the that's, credits. Yeah, that's how she's it says, credited. It says you. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. E- yeah. Even right. it's subtitled as you. Also. Yeah. So it's like in the credits, like all the credits are in Japanese except for you, which is in English or <laughs> I, what I assume is English, uh, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. So I think it probably is you if it's spelled in English. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Um. All right. So. Obviously, there's a lot to be said about these two films. You guys have some stuff to say about these two films. I guess a good place to start, which is sort of the obvious place, um, is the framing for both of these movies. Mm, Like, mm -hmm. the literal framing of shots. uh, Because it's so... It is just obvious. I don't know. Like There's a very stark methodology especially behind ozu and he's been ozu has been obviously analyzed to the end of time um with you know his low camera his symmetrical sort of framing um how tommy shots what's that Uh, uh, that's what those are called the tatami shots tatami shots yes tatami shots yeah like center frame conversation bits or just like the the camera always like at the angle like at like a super low angle like kind of on the floor parallel to the actors is the tatami is that where uh japanese people eat dinner or whatever is that what that those are like the mats that like kind of decorate their floor and that they sleep on got it Yes, you are correct. As uh, the tatami shot, so basically, it's it's you know framed from essentially the position of a Japanese individual kind of sitting, like how they would, how they, and like how the characters spend a lot of time in both these films sitting. It's always from that angle, regardless of where they're at. If they're standing, if they're outside, if the camera's far away, if it's a shot reverse, it's always below, always <laughs> below the eye level, generally at waist height. Uh, which is across all of his films. Um, that's kind of his cinematic style. Uh, and I think Koreeda uh, adopts that style quite a bit, you know, in Still Walking, like, as well. Uh, not as heavily right, but I, but I think, like, the composition of his shots are taken basically directly from Ozu. Um which leaves you know. I could see that. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Um, yeah, a yeah. lot of lot of stat, lot of like lack of movement in uh, yeah. both both of these both of these movies. Lack of camera movement, definitely. It, especially with yeah, with that low angle and the um, just like how like the amount of cuts mm-hmm. in it are, are pretty and where they decide to cut. Yeah, like cutting on the newspaper turn and cutting on heads turning. Mm-hmm. Um, just really simple motions to cut on. Yeah, uh, in both of these movies. Yeah, I thought and, it was interesting, especially just like how like every character like gets to like finish their sentence before like the camera cuts away from them. Yeah, like you didn't often see that in a movie where like you know you usually get like the shot reverse shot thing if characters are having a conversation will we'll kind of like cut back and forth over the shoulders of like these different characters. But uh, yeah, that was what really stood out to me this time watching in Tokyo Story was how like every character got to say what they were going to say in full before the camera cut away from them. I thought that was pretty unusual. It is. It is. And I was reading that Ozu never shot, uh, like, safety shots. Or, oh. like, a master shot. So, like, 
in like what the movies that we watch like comedies most like usually they do that single single master where they mm. you know they yeah you know what that is but uh <clears throat> but ozu apparently like never did that uh so he wanted to complete the action the scene with that one angle and then okay time for the next action next scene in the next angle there was no there's no like trimming there's no fine tuning or anything like that well it, it seems like he like kind of got all that stuff done ahead of time like he, you know yeah he does it on set yeah yeah he does it on set like he arranges like everything with the precise spacing and then you know once that's all kind of done all you really got to do is like you know press you know record and let the actors do their thing mm-hmm. right no. i wonder i wonder i don't know this but his rehearse like did how much rehearsal he went through or if they just like did it on set a bunch of times or if he was like a one take guy i was wondering that too i don't know this either i was wondering that too i was wondering just in general what his direction would be like because the characters in tokyo story are so they're not i don't know if robotic is the right word but they're very like they just formal. say something and it's very formal and they just kind of say something and it's, I don't necessarily know like if he cared how like how they kind of said things as much as long as they said it because sometimes they would just like especially with the the dad the patriarch he was kind of like um he was like he would always turn his head and say and then yeah. respond and then go back to what he was doing and it was just always kind of like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. and then you know it's I don't know. The, the, there was didn't really seem to be a direction on how they should be saying things. I think some of that though is just kind of like, especially given that these these characters are like kind of old fashioned Japanese, uh, an old fashioned Japanese couple. Like especially contrasting with like their more modern kids. Like Japan is a very like naturally like formal and polite society. And I think my takeaway was that these two characters were really supposed to like embody that like very you know old fashioned like. Um, I wouldn't call it like robotic, but I would definitely call it repetitive. Like that's like I guess maybe supposed to be like the stereotypical, not stereotypical, like the traditional, you know, Japanese mannerism. Hmm. And they were kind of doing that. That was my oh, takeaway okay. from it, especially this time. I mean, it, it definitely seemed like the the dad, like whenever he would talk, like he would only do one thing at a time. Like whether yeah. it's talking or moving his head or, or standing up or fan, yeah. Like he would never do like multiple things at once. That's a good Which point. Which I thought was kind of a cool... I mean, like, I feel like someone had to make that choice and they stuck with it. Whether that was the director or the actor, I don't, I don't know. Right. And, like, certainly there's direction happening, right? Like, it's... You don't really have a scenario where there's no director directing something. They might be a little more hands-off, but they always there's always something, right? They're setting up the scene or telling people kind of where to go with things. Um Lynch might be the only like real exception to that, but uh, it, it just seemed like like he kind of told them like this is what we're going for, what we're doing, but it wasn't the 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 forward momentum of the plot was not on the characters and how they delivered the lines. It was just on the fact that they got the lines delivered. If that makes sense, like you know how like there'll be subtext to a lot of like American acting. A lot of just acting in general, uh, a lot of emotion and things that kind of drive you one way or another into a scene. Like if someone gets really angry, obviously that flares a certain like direction for a scene, uh, and it can drive the plot in different ways. Like if if one character upsets another character, then you have you've 
developed a problem between characters where it just seems like in Tokyo Story, as long as they said the line and got us to the next scene, then that was what was okay. I think some of that, though, is like a cultural thing because, like, I, I, I would say that there's like actually a lot of subtext behind like what these characters are saying, uh, especially in this movie, but I think it's just like kind of uh, like the, the way that they like express, you know, like things like disappointment or guilt is like different than how you might expect it to be expressed in a Western film. Like I think a scene that really stood out to me, this viewing of Tokyo story was like that, that scene where, um, uh, the, the, the kids, uh, one of the kids sends them to like that hot spring and then they're there and they're kind of making this comment like, ah, you know, I guess we, uh, I guess we, um, you know, kind of, cost them a bunch of money and like you know they come to a point later where like it's it's clear that like they're not really enjoying their time there but they're also not being super grumpy about it Hmm. i think that you know part of that is like a cultural thing where um like there's this and i kind of you kind of see this attitude in both films where it's not so much that like they will express their discontentment in a way that is meant to lash out on somebody it's just kind of more of like a you know like well, I guess this sucks. Okay. Right. Uh, well, yeah, I guess we cost them a bunch of money. Okay. Oh, well. There there was, just to add on to that, there was that scene at the very end with the dad, and he's talking to his neighbor, or his neighbor, like, comes by in the window and is like, oh, I guess you're going to be very lonely. And she, like, has, like, a big smile on her face when she says it. That's it what I'm saying. It doesn't feel like she's, like being super like it feels like she's being like formal is that so is that kind of stuff where where she's like where his his neighbor lady comes in and says like oh i guess you're gonna be really lonely and like has a smile on her face afterwards and walks away i think that some of it is like there's there's like this uh there's like this attitude that's like particular to like the you know japanese character is like this uh uh i think it's kind of called shikata ganai which is like a a way of saying it can't be helped and that's kind of an attitude we see like a bunch of times in like a bunch of different situations throughout both these movies and i think that you know both like the yep i guess you're gonna be lonely um yep i guess we cost the money like all of like their expressions of that kind of reflect that it's like this sucks but i can't really do anything about it so i guess i'm just kind of like gonna maintain my dignity and accept it right like that's that's something that makes these both of these movies really distinct is like these situations that would be approached a little bit more melodramatically in a western film are just kind of like you know like stated with like this quiet dignity yeah which i I really i i really like that uh and it now that we're talking about it more, I feel like the uh, kid characters are willing to give that up a little bit more. Mm. Um, like w- during the funeral scene, they are like they are like trying to hold it in, but you can you could just see underneath like what they're feeling, like on their face. Yeah, you can see on their face like that the dignity is like gone, and I I wonder if that's part of like the western influence of that this film has like yeah the, the how it like western money started like coming in and like hey here's like industrialization and here's how we can you know we want to be an economic powerhouse sort of a thing and, yeah among like all of ozu's films that's a pretty recurring theme is like the like you know westernization of like traditional japanese values 
Um, and we see that reflected like in a lot of his most famous movies in like a contrast between like different generations. And we definitely see this. We have like, you know, there's the there's the the aging parents and then there's the uh, more modern children who like kind of, you know, maintain a little bit of that Shikata Ganai, but we can also see, you know, their, you know, a lot more Western clothing, a lot more like sort of modern things like the uh, the daughter-in-law Noriko, like, you know, working to support herself, for example, is kind of a non-traditional thing. And then we see like the little kids who are just like total brats. And we even get to see like that uh, one of the grandchildren like reading English. So we can kind of like see through those different generations that there's like this like spectrum of westernization and they are they're inching more toward that with each generation. Yeah. More toward that for sure. That's a big theme in his is sort of that deconstruction, right, of the traditional cuz I mean if you really think about like especially you know Ozu was born in 1903, died in like 63. You know, he lived during a time of of that modern switch, but also like where formality was still so key to that lifestyle too. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, and he's definitely reacting to it in a certain way. Uh, And you, yeah, I think the kids are a good example of that change. Cause like in the beginning, that kid is just a, just a straight up brat. Like he's, you know, the mom is like uncomfortably trying to tell him, no, can't really get him to stop. And he's just, you know, saying what he wants to say basically with no repercussions and i I can kind of see that (laughs) as sort of a old school (laughs) mindset reacting to the you know the younger generation um and you know ozu was fairly you know he was in his what 50s or whatever when this movie yeah he was actually 50 when this movie was made so you know old guy really you know kind of reacting to those things yeah, he he didn't li- like yeah, he he died 10 years after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So, he didn't really have like a lot of years left. Exactly. Um and I think it's and maybe it's my lack of sort of Japanese, I mean, certainly my lack of Japanese cultural context and subtext and tradition and uh social interaction. Uh, because like the way I was just reading Tokyo Story, and it, it definitely has to do with the fact that I've been watching Lanthimos like crazy the past week, like all of his yeah. movies, <laughs> that it, it lended this weird sort of like surreal absurdism to Tokyo Story. Yeah, because of the way it's delivered, like the way Jacob's saying is like how she'll say how the lady at the beginning will say something like, "Well, you're gonna be lonely," and then she'll have like the smile on her face, and it'll kind of be like this like mixed emotion or mixed signals type thing or you know like Mm -hmm. the way they said like oh well they spent money on us um so like but they say it in a way that's not like oh man like i wish we wouldn't have had them spend the money it was more like like they spent the money (laughs) we're in a spot it's like like, um it's like that david lynch like rabbits thing where they're saying like what time is it just like over and over again oh yeah with in the laugh track, in, uh, in, in Inland Empire, Inland Empire it was part of Inland okay, Empire. Okay, it's been a, several, several. I yeah. think the last time I watched that movie was college. But it, but it, it, I get what Keith is saying. Like without that, like cultural understanding, I could definitely see it coming off as like a really wacky, like surrealist movie. I think that was part because like the first time I watched this movie, I was in high school and I kept hearing and reading all these reviews like, oh, my God, this movie is so sad. It'll make you cry. It'll, you know, 
get right to your heart, you know, right. you'll be a puddle of man tears by the end of it. And then I see this and I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I remember like back when you could like leave reviews on Netflix, I gave this movie like a one star review oh, no. because I felt like so gypped and so like that's, that's angry. Amazing. And I was like so bored that I almost like became catatonic. And I was like, a, you know, sophomore <laughs> junior in high school the first time I watched this. But like I, Ooh. you know, got more exposure to Japanese film and I got more life experience so that I could like relate to the situations of the characters more and like now I'm kind of at a place where like maybe I don't quite get that specific cultural context all the way but I still feel like I can relate to the situations that this movie presents right that's like I, I'm, I'm totally with you there like I, I can accept that that is what their culture is mm. you know what I mean but I still like it still takes me out a little bit for a, for a second like I have to really try to like get into like the the scenes of this movie because of that. Yeah. 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 I think that, yeah, when you, when you watch more Ozu films, you kind of like start to recognize the rhythm and you sink into it a bit. But yeah, at least I know that like my first experience with Ozu was a shock. And I think that like a lot of people's is too, like on one of our, um, our first, like, you know, not like dates, but it was when like, I had just started hanging out with my now wife and like, I showed her late spring, which was another Ozu movie and I could just kind of see that same expression on her face, like, what am I watching? What is this? And then, you know, the, the movie ended, and then, like, the most she had to say yes. was, like, well, that was a very interesting movie. Yes. Fascinating. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> see what I'm saying? With that line that you said, what the hell did I just watch? Like, it's still applicable, I think, here. And especially for people, like, we watch a lot of movies. We've all made, you know, some shorts. We've all done, we've all worked in commercial. Like, we have a language and an understanding of movies that, like, you know, especially, like, especially for us, like, in the podcast, like, watching after, like, watching, like, Tarkovsky and stuff, like, you understand that there's a certain patience for some movies that you just have to, mm -hmm. you just have to work through, and uh, so it's easier to kind of consume, like, when I started to watch Tokyo Story, I get that same feeling, too, where I'm like, alright, I gotta dig in, like, this is gonna be, you know... A, a test of of endurance kind of because it's not going to be that type of movie that keeps you like constantly engaged like it keeps you engaged right. but it's not fucking spider-man swinging around the city right it's like no. it's, it's different. not lego movie where it's like too engaging you know right yeah i i, I think what what i kind of discovered was like the right mindset for me was less to like you know really like think of myself as like engaging with the film so much as like kind of surrendering to it and like yeah. kind of watching it play out without really like any expectation of what it's going to be definitely and i like like 30 to 40 minutes into the movie too i was like okay i'm in like yeah i was started to be like damn this is becoming really compelling um it takes you know it's a very very slow burn uh and it actually reminds me a lot i don't know ian if you've seen the film the sacrifice uh, no, by Tarkovsky, but it reminds me a lot of that movie because when we talked about it, I mentioned specifically that the sacrifice for me was an extreme test of my patience. Mm. It's like two and a half hours long. It is fucking oh, slow. Not a lot <laughs> happens. There's really not a lot that happens throughout two hours and 20 minutes of the movie. Wow. And then the last 10 minutes are some of the greatest cinema ever made and put on film. Interesting. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's totally bizarre. It's, it's like, so it's like bizarre. the weirdest... Is it good enough Weirdest that it ending to a movie? Is it good enough that it like contextualizes that that past like two hours and ten minutes and kind of like yes. tells you what it was all about? Yes, kind of. yeah. It, it sort of it does. Yes, and it no. does. Okay, but I'm then intrigued. it becomes it like it does. It does wrap up the film, kind of what's going on. Sorry, hold on one second. Yeah. 
But one one of the things I can speak to the scene for a second is, mm. is one of the scene or that that end scene really speaks to the director as he was no like coming patience. towards the end of his life, huh. and uh, it like a lot of people have drawn parallels to like the events of that scene to his like beginning to pass. Huh. Are you saying and what the just, did you say what the actual scene was? I'm, I'm just talking about the end with with how he uh, Tarkovsky's passing, like how people have like connected dots. Oh with, yeah, like, yeah. The like there, this is why this happens. It's because he's like on his deathbed. Like um, yeah, and like uh, he really had to literally sacrifice so much for his filmmaking. Uh, you know, by the, by that time he was like, uh, what do they call it? Um, exiled from like Russia and was like had to make this yeah. film in like Sweden and it, wow, a lot of this stuff. Uh, but and like. He had, like uh, chemical poisoning of some kind because yeah he was like getting sick and stalker. stuff yeah oh that movie killed him I didn't know that yeah it killed the actors too <laughs> I didn't know that I love that movie yeah it's a fantastic movie but uh, yeah. but 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 sacrifice like yeah so like the end does sort of wrap up what's <laughs> happening but then it also like just becomes this very weird surreal end like it huh. literally just is, becomes a surreal um, sequence of events. But it also has one of the most famous shots in like cinema history in it as well, um, with the burning house. So like, huh. which adds this whole like you know you've spent so much time in this film and then you see this burning house sequence and you're like holy shit like, it's like the first cut after a long take basically. Huh. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, I'm, and, I'm definitely and, intrigued. And it's a it's about the uh, end of the world, you know. So it's kind of uh-huh. like. It's kind of like Melancholia a little bit. If you okay, seen that. yeah, I've seen Melancholia. Yeah, very similar. You 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 can definitely watch it. Like especially coming from Ozu and and understanding that you know you you have to like really just surrender yourself to the film. You'll enjoy how it's, they're very similar actually, especially like still walking and the sacrifice because they're dealing with similar things um, with sort of like death and the family coming together who's not really always together. Uh, sort of fo- mm-hmm. you know forced into a space it takes place in generally one location um at least on this island uh and then it just has it's it's just amazing but it, it reminded me in that in that sense of like you gotta really let the film play out yeah um and, and not you know it's so easy to judge it and be like oh my god hurry up but like if you really just let yourself be a part of it, then it gives you something really uh, powerful at the end, I think. Yeah, and this, especially like Tokyo Story, my experience with it is that it it really does kind of build. Like, you start off in this place of like, okay, nothing's really happening, what is this? And then you like really start to see some of that stuff come into focus, more of like the drama and more mm-hmm. of the subtext. And then like by the end, like that that final shot where he's like looking at the mm-hmm. window was like a fucking gut punch. Yeah. I can never watch that without like choking up. That's like, the thing. It's, it, it's this cumulative style that just kind of builds and builds until you suddenly realize that you're just like, oh God, yeah. fuck. I noticed yeah, that I mean, too. Yeah, I mean, when when movies do this, thing where they like set up these rules and then suddenly it's like oh mm-hmm. then they like break that rule yeah that's like always an emphasized scene you know mm-hmm. have you guys seen first reformed oh yeah so like yeah. that movie uh, very similar very still like the whole thing they have a couple moving sh- shots throughout they sprinkle them in then at the very end they do this spinning rotating shot oh yeah and it's like i know what you're talking it's totally about. just this this like hit in the face like yeah because you're set up in a different way i'm never getting that scene out of my head ever (laughs) 
it, it, it's interesting that like you bring up like Ozu and Tarkovsky and then like Paul Schrader who like made first reform like he is like a huge I know that like he's a huge fan of both like Ozu and Tarkovsky and he kind of like lumps them together in this thing that he calls transcendental style and like I don't mm. really remember enough about what he defined that as to really like talk about it but I know that like he also kind of sees these two directors as kind of like you know two peas in a pod of this like transcendental huh. coin and he specifically said in interviews that like that's the style that he was trying to emulate that transcendental style i'd have to like look up the formal what he, how he kind of defined that but uh yeah i think that's, you you guys are kind of keying into something that he he saw too looks like it's oh, like an actual book that he wrote literally called Transcend- transcendental style in film by paul schrader <laughs> Yeah, uh, wait, wrote a whole book. So on if this. you literally, I typed in transcendental style Paul Schrader into Google, and it popped up with a ton of things. So um, it's obviously a big idea in his in his repertoire of films, and you can kind of see that. I mean, like you said, First Reformed is a great example of that. Um, that slow, uh, uh, intentional style that yeah. exists, uh, and it's so interesting too because I didn't like. <clears throat> we did Tarkovsky. We covered. Um, we didn't cover every all of his films, but we covered most of them. And uh, like I, I, like I kind of see, and when we were covering it, I could kind of see like where people were pulling from him or how they were influenced by him. Um, uh, you're fine. But I feel like that really came more into focus with starting to watch other films like Tokyo Story, like. I can really mm. start to see the influence and how it's this weird thread that goes through so many like you know films like I almost wonder like if Tarkovsky had a chance to see Ozu uh, and was and saw that sort of like similar sort of intentional style uh, kind of weave through um, and then he, you, like, I mean he probably he probably saw Tokyo Story because that that movie's um history of of coming out was a pretty interesting one it it was it was deemed as too japanese at first for film exporters Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they didn't they didn't want to send it out to like other countries or anything and then uh later like someone was just like let's just do it and then Mm. it like uh it went to london and it was met with just critical acclaim like uh, applause from so many different people um so I could I could imagine Tarkovsky did uh, did watch it. Yeah, uh, I think he it definitely was did. such a big movie uh, that came out of Japan in the in the fifties. Yeah, I, I Wim so. Wenders. If if uh, if you're a fan of Wings of Desire, is also a big fan of both those directors. And I think at the end of that movie, he he does this thing like two like the cinematic angels, uh, Yasujiro, Andre, and I forget the other one. But uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Wings of Desire, if if you haven't seen that movie and you want to see another example of that transcendental style, oh. Wings of Desire is another really good one. I should watch that one. Yeah, pretty timely to watch too, because uh, the lead actor Bruno Gans just died. Oh yeah, Bruno Gans did just die, um, and we we just watched um, uh, the house that Jack built, and Byron and I had a whole episode dedicated to that movie, um, and he plays Virgil, the oh. The uh, from obviously Dante's Inferno in that film, so oh, interesting, interesting, yeah. Um, so very timely for sure. Um, kind of like a direct mirroring of his role as like an angel in Wings of Desire. Interesting, I'm gonna have to watch that. 
Yeah, you really uh, should. It's great. We'll add that to the list for sure. Yeah. Our list is so fucking long. <laughs> Our list oh, I of bet. potential stuff is so long. Uh, but it's always funny because stuff will just get into a, a swing of things. Be like, well, we're going to actually do this now. Um, and just decide to do it. So it could pop up sooner mm. rather than later for sure. Uh, so obviously, like, still walking is an interesting companion piece to this, to Tokyo Story as well because it's, you know obviously directly influenced by tokyo story uh the stories i mean are not Mm -hmm. even they're not that far apart the style the framing the the intentional framing uh letting characters kind of play in scenes and exist on multiple planes um so that so we obviously have that sort of ozu influence here uh right did you guys even like thematically like the, the the generation Yes. Uh, yes. Content. Yeah. Is like the same, and it, like the difference between grandpa and dad and son. Absolutely. Yeah, and like the the very like like quiet melancholy that kind of hangs over both yeah. movies. Yeah. Like there's there's like this really like it's it's not like oppressive, but there's like this shadow of death that's like hanging over both. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and uh, inevitability is kind of what I felt too. In both of yeah, these absolutely. movies, uh, especially with yeah. Tokyo Story, once you start to see like Tomei or Tomi, you know, when she starts to die and then eventually dies, you start to like. That's that point in that film too, where like you, you that emotion starts to kick in, and you're like, okay, there is something here. There's there is this ticking clock of the universe that we just can't like overcome. Right. Yeah. Um, the Japanese term for that is a uh, mono no aware. Which is like uh, it means like awareness of like the transience of things or like the pathos of things. It's like this sort of like quiet sadness over the fact that like everything, you know, is like a passing transient thing, and that like everything dies. Hmm. Oh, and so like you like the traditional Japanese symbol of that is like the cherry blossoms, which like you know blossom for just like a couple of days, and then they're like gone until they they come again. Mm. But uh, yeah, you can definitely feel that hanging over both movies, like especially like right from the opening scene of Still Walking with that that old woman who like talks to the grandpa and then she's like, "Hey, you know, I just have this lingering feeling that, you know, I'm not too much longer for this world." And then, you know, about like an hour later, we see her like carted off to the hospital in an ambulance, presumably, you know, dead. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually, and I like yeah. that term that because that is that that you're what you just said encompasses that like completely, which is what I like yeah. about languages outside of English is that there's they have such interesting ways of describing unique scenarios and mm-hmm. kind of aspects of life that English like look how much you had to say to describe yeah that term in Japanese yeah. when that's just sort of like if you say that to a Japanese person that's going to be like an inherent understanding they're there already yeah exactly yeah. that's like where we talk like uh, like ants you know uh. you know what I'm saying <laughs> do we talk that's like from ants? Lord of the Rings or is that tree ants <laughs> no that's that's that, that's ants I just forgot their speech pattern <laughs> oh yeah it's been a while it's very slow yeah uh, but what I what I wanted to say too for still walking is and you I don't know if you guys will have stuff to kind of say to this I really felt like a Hitchcockian influence on that movie too. Uh, Not in anything about like the plot or obviously like the deception or anything like that, like what he deals with, but this sort of like, because Hitchcock was so well known for his blocking 
and and where characters existed in a frame or where they would go like while they're talking i think you know one of the best examples of this is vertigo when he's in the office of the the shipping manager and he's the, he, they're just going around this office like in these weird patterns and he'll be sitting and he'll be standing and he'll be up above and and there's a way that hitchcock has his characters exist in a frame that really caught my attention was still walking and i think tokyo story as well uh because of because especially how characters would enter enter and exit the frame in tokyo story they would do it from like the same side usually uh or in ways that sort of broke like rules of like where you'd expect them to kind of come from quote rules Um, like the 180 exactly he clearly breaks the 180 all the time but i think there's like that that interesting side where you know the mom would like when she's trying to deal with the two kids she would leave the room from the right and then when she comes in the cut would be she comes back in from the right but she's in like a different room uh so it kind of it creates this sort of like surreal nature but it's like this sort of like uh, like intentional blocking right of how they kind of come in mm-hmm. and out hmm. and i think still walking does the same thing and what really caught me was the one shot where he spills the water and he's like talking like hey like you know he's trying to kind of basically stand up a little bit to like the dad and 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 express something and then I can't remember exactly what triggers it, but then the whole family sort of gets up and they all kind of grab something and scramble. But the where the camera's sitting, um, kind of back where the kitchen would be shooting into the sort of the, the dining room, huh? It, it like, I don't know, it creates this weird confusion. Like he's sitting there solo, uh, and then he's like stuck in time almost and then like the rest of the people are just like creating like this chaos and then it's just all gone and then he's just sitting there and then he's the only one left and it doesn't cut it doesn't like move but they do that a lot and the other scene that i noticed too is like it was him like his wife and the mom were sitting there and he wanted to go smoke and then he got up went goes to the kitchen where he smokes under that sort of vent or whatever but the shot is from like outside in so you could see him walk to the back and then when the mom starts to comment on things he's kind of standing like behind like right off of her shoulder almost but he's obviously Hmm. like way in the background so like this is a peculiar nature of like how he like had them get up he had the guy get up to go over there to frame that shot in that particular way for that line which is like so like Hitchcockian you know and like I don't know. That, it's just one thing I noticed that I thought was like an interesting. Um, yeah, that's a really idea. cool observation. Yeah. Uh, it's just I don't like. Like I said, I don't know if there was much to be said besides I just wanted to point that out. Like, still walking had this really obvious Ozu thing, but I think he was pulling from a lot of different areas with that um, kind of idea as well. Because you know he sits he, his camera sits quite a ways from the few people, right? Like mm-hmm. he likes to frame multiple people in a shot and kind of let them talk. Obviously, right. he does some shot reverse, but then like. They always just exist in their room or in their space, um, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like and his 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 long cameras stood out more to me in Still Walking. I mm-hmm. think because it is a more modern film. Yeah. So I I think that that length I could feel the length a lot more than I could in Tokyo Story because I I I think just because that's an expectation thing. You know what I mean? I think that's a good point. Yeah. Sorry. Um. That's a good point, too. Yeah, it's it's like, I think older film, like, I'm expecting it to kind of linger a little bit more than modern film. 
just right. because of the way we're trained and like especially with like American audiences where their attention span is so short anyway for things that uh, you always expect it to just be quick. So when it is when the camera does sit, it's it's very noticeable. Um, right, right. One thing I thought was interesting about Still Walking uh, that was different than Tokyo Story because these movies are very similar, mm. but just how um, Still Walking was set in one location mm-hmm. like for the entire thing, you know, because it's the the kids visiting their their parents versus the parents visiting their their kids in the big city. Um, but it, it 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 locks you into the one location, but they still like manage to like do some like weird like that that stuff you're talking about with the breaking of the 180 and the and the moving left to right and right to left or whatever um it 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 doesn't like get stale at all no that's like yeah that's exactly what i was thinking too like i think a, a, a lot of it is like the like kind of like you know when the, the time of day changes like you know from like morning to like mid-afternoon to night like you get a lot of that like really you know evocative like sound and lighting that really just kind of like sells that that feeling of like you know taking a bath at night versus like you know going for your morning walk like these are like different parts of the day but they all feel really distinct from each other mm. certainly yeah, that's true uh, and I, I noticed that too where both films played with time of day a lot uh, and it spends a lot of time in either one and I think the time of day becomes a little bit more obvious I think in Still Walking just because of color mm-hmm. uh, but they both certainly sit you know there's certain aspects of life and tradition timing for things that I think Japanese people really like to abide by you know like lunch and then this is going to be supper and there's a sort of time in between where you can kind of take a bath and um, you really experience each moment of those each time. Yeah. You know, even when they're like getting ready for bed, there's like this distinct period where your film stops for a minute so they can talk, you know, and, and kind of maybe deal with things or whatever. Um, but there is a lot of variation in everything. Like the, I think Japanese design and architecture for their housing is really interesting because it's it's much more along with kind of what the europeans do too where they separate everything each place has a room each room has its place each room has a a designation Mm. Um, it's not like open concept modern like things have kind of started to turn into uh so you always are you know you when you enter there's a space for you to take off your shoes uh because that's a very big part of that culture um, there's even like a bench I noticed and still walking. There's like a small bench that they have for, for you to put, take your shoes uh, on and off. And then you go up into the space that's sort of like the the front room uh, where they don't spend a lot of time. I think he spends some time with the record player there. Uh, but But there's like this extra space there where it's kind of like before you get into the main bulk of the house where you're going to spend a lot of your familial time, there's a separation there. And then the kitchen sits in its own kind of space, right? Like separated from the dining like across from the dining room but it's still separated mm. and even the dining room right. like is built into the outside with how the doors open but it's still obviously its own space and then when they go into the other room where the piano is and the photo albums and stuff like that like there's a, a designation there so like the camera has these in- unique ways of framing things because the architecture is designed almost like a train like it's in that cinematic way mm. where it's like straight hallways um you know very square rooms designated thing you know 
things are very prim and proper. So when you when you frame right. it, all oh, there's a lot of straight lines that are involved in all the you know architecture, and all the doors have slatted you know wood and and whatnot. So like it keeps so much interest and variation in what is essentially the same spaces. Because even though Tokyo Story takes place in different places, it's they all look the same. Um. Yeah, there's that similar framing kind of throughout all of it. Yeah. Whereas, but, like, still walking has, like, a lot more, like, you know, distinct, like, sort of, like, I don't know if the word is, like, phases, but, like, you know, there's, like, you know, cooking mode, and then there's, like, you know, walking mode, and then there's, right. you know, eating around the table and talking mode. Like, there's there's definitely, like, a distinct, like, you know, uh, style and cinematography and, like, way of sort of framing those things that really stands out. Definitely, and it almost, Especially, like... Especially... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like you know, the food shots. Oh my god, yeah, oh, food porn, food so good. The food yeah. looks and, so uh, good. If you if you buy the Criterion uh, DVD or Blu-ray, it comes with a little booklet with uh, recipes from the oh. movie. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, funny. well that sold me. I'm gonna buy that. Now. Yeah, yeah, I I have it. I haven't I haven't tried to make that stuff, but uh, yeah. Watch every time I watch that movie, I just do not watch it hungry. Yeah. <laughs> the corn yeah, tempura like, looks so good. Yeah, like just the minute attention to like, like the salt being poured in the edamame, and like watching that process of it being kind of like sifted around in the uh, the colander, and like the water being poured over. Like I really love like that ritualistic aspect of like kind of watching them do things. Like we really got to see like I, I enjoyed like experiencing the process of like doing all these like you know minute mundane tasks, but it definitely gave the movie a sense of intimacy that mm -hmm. I don't find often. Like, Absolutely. We really get to, like, participate in these, like, rituals and, like, routines with these characters right. and really sink into their lives. I like when we see it, things like that. I think Les Samurai is a good example. Some people mm. think it's a good example of the, the process as film. Yeah. So he spends so much time on each step of what he does, like an immense amount of time on each step. So like, mm -hmm. but it helps you build an, a relationship to what they're doing, um, an integration into the world. Because like uh, you know, Japanese and a lot of Asians are culture is surrounded. Everything is surrounded around food. So mm -hmm. so seeing mm -hmm. that as a visual like makes a lot of sense because their discussions, a lot mm -hmm. of the major discussions are happening while they're eating or cooking. Yeah. Um. The other thing too is I noticed that like it's a tool to sort of reset. So like going into different rooms is like a tool to sort of reset um like to the next scene. Like they'll finish a scene hmm. in a room and then that'll be the end or they'll finish they'll finish dinner and that'll be the end. So it's like a like this weird like bubble of sequence for the plot and then we're on to the next thing uh, right which, like hmm. you never like transition like you or you rarely transition like from room to room without like a lapse in time or a yeah. lapse in mood or yeah tone or something mm -hmm. and the camera doesn't just like wander into another room it just cuts you into the next room yeah you right. know what i mean uh, yeah, and even true. with Ozu, it's like if you watch them go through the house, the camera cuts from one room to the hallway to the next room, and you see the process. But it's it's a right. segmentation of it of everything that's happening. It it, uh -huh. it is it's very uh, it's like Annie Hall, 
You know, it's like hmm. a, it's like a Woody Allen in that kind of way, uh, where it is just like, like almost like set up the camera, like make everything look really nice, and then just like have the characters kind of live in the space. Yeah, I like that a lot too. I like I like when they let that happen because you you get a sense of you get more of a sense of space. Like sometimes with camera movement or trying to track actors, you start to like lose <coughs> it in the technique as opposed to just letting something happen. Yeah, which these directors, you know, obviously just let that happen. Um, it's, I don't know. It just creates a, a satisfying way to kind of watch things. It's a little more like a play in that yeah. regard. Yeah, or or like a sitcom, or a sitcom. Yeah, like Friends or something. Yeah, for sure. Without three yeah. cameras tracking your every movement. Yeah, and, exactly. And well, minus around. all the cuts that they yeah. do. Yeah. Did you guys see the the Fences movie like last year? Oh, the Denzel. Or, yeah, the Denzel Washington Fences movie. I did not. I did not. Yeah. Okay. Because like, I would love to hear your thoughts on. Because, like, that movie, you watch it, and it, like, kind of feels like a filmed adaptation of a play, but kind of in a bad way. Oh. Like, you know, you... That was a play, right? Yeah, it was a play. Yeah. Yeah, whereas, like, you know, you, you, you watch the way that, like, these shots are composed, and these scenes are done, and it's like, this was not meant to be shown on screen, and you're not really using the, you know, tools available to you to, like, translate this well. But I, even though, like, Still Walking does kind of have, like, that, that you know that pacing and that you know framing of like being set in a single location it still felt cinematic to me oh and certainly i'm i'm, I'm yeah I, w- I wish you'd seen fences because like I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that difference is and i can't really articulate it right now see this is where byron it's, would step in because he's yeah seen yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. the uh well one thing that's kind of related to that 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 i want to talk about is um the fact that this movie is this like homage to Tokyo story mm. um and how like in Tokyo story the uh western influence was such like a big like part that is like what the movie's about mm-hmm. you know like if that is its thing in place in culture that's why it's an important movie historically um but still walking is interesting because you can it's like set much further in the future and although there is still some like asian or some like japanese-ness to it everything is like pretty much westernized to oblivion uh, yeah like they still you they know want they want a car <laughs> yeah like they want a car they uh like even the food they're making like i've had that food like often you know what i mean like that's like like the edamame and like all the rice and it's stuff, like a like, bento box that they're eating out of which you can yeah. get at like a lot of teriyaki places and like yeah Asian but i guess like th- those are pretty traditional japanese foods right they they are but there is like this weird um like the western influence although that is very traditional it still feels like there is more of us in these characters than there was in the characters before yeah definitely you know what i mean um although we, we still get some of that like you know tug between like the traditions and like the more modern way of living like especially with uh the parents commenting on how uh you know like ryota chose to like marry a widow which is yeah. traditionally like not something that you would do and then you know they comment on that and they're like what this isn't a big deal like this happens all the time get with the program guys. right right yeah, and like it's like stuff like that where it's like it feels less, um, it feels less about the Japanese ness of mm-hmm. it and more about just like general, um, co- like 
cultural things that yeah. like almost everyone um feels like it feels mm. it feels just like a little more globalized yeah it definitely does yeah and i like how um, the japanese are like like to talk about that reaction to it because like there's westernization kind of all over the place but i think in asia specifically where the the traditions have been so rigid uh for so long and especially how just how rigid some things are and to have that reaction of like you know the americans are kind of disrupting what we consider to be tradition and they're willing to just kind of comment on that right which is pretty satisfying um because you know but it's it, a real thing it's also it's it's interesting because that was like part of their reformation too mm-hmm. was like making that choice to 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 be True. like more westernized yeah and so like it, really double down on it too yeah and really like yeah crank it um so it it is a weird thing where it's like this is like their um this is like the government's choice to like mm-hmm. dive into it this way and then like get rid of tradition almost which is crazy yeah like i like you like in japanese history that does like repeat a couple of times that philosophy of like adapt or die yeah and not just like adapt but like change everything mm-hmm. like you know not just like you know limit our trade but just cut up cut it all off entirely until like you know matthew perry opened that back up again <laughs> but uh yeah there's that and then there's you know okay we lost world war Two. you know our traditional you know emperor our you know traditional government is gone become westernized and become more westernized than the westerners yeah and the people who kind of lived before the war and through the war and then after are like struggling to kind of comprehend that because they mm-hmm. even comment on the war and how it's kind of like affected things and their their children yeah. are not up to the standards that they they're up to a new standard but it's not their standard you know which is sort of reaction to, to all of that i think right <clears throat> Um, swinging back around a little bit to, uh, I'm curious too because so like we talk a lot about we've talked about auteurs early on we've talked about style, uh, we've talked about directors with a distinct style. Um, I don't know if we've ever covered a director who has a style that trans that is literally every single film they've ever made is yeah. his style. And so I find it really interesting that he has this extreme that people are really willing to accept because of its, like, odd language. Um, And you might even be, like, one could probably even argue that it's, like, the end of the sort of auteurist spectrum. Because I can't think of anyone else who's so, like, (laughs) like, when you watch a film, it's like, boom, like, that's Ozu. Wes Anderson? I think to a degree, but Wes even Anderson, Wes Anderson yeah. breaks his own rules sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm. Where Ozu, like, never... And he even became more refined starting as he went on to cut stuff out. Um, you know, to the, like, he was just cutting out, like, basically everything except for, like, four or five techniques, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, even a lot of... Oh, go ahead. Well, a lot of directors uh, will, like, shift over time, too, you know? Or they'll, like, play by, like, certain rules sometimes and then play by other rules in other ways exactly you know so like um like chris nolan uh always playing with time and stuff and in, mm-hmm. in all of his movies except for the his big superhero movies that he comes out with but everything else is like playing with time in in an interesting weird kind of way totally um 
but I get what you're saying where Ozu is it feels maybe like he's at the end of the spectrum as far as like boldness um but I don't know if that's just because it is like f- like because it's a foreign movie from the 50s or if it's actually like boldness I just don't know I think it's boldness I think that you know I think he just kind of found a style that worked for him and he discovered that you know rather than like kind of evolve himself or like, I-, I guess like it isn't that he, like, refused to evolve. He just, like, found a style that worked for him and chose to, like, mine its depths as opposed to, right. like, explore, like, a breadth of new techniques. Yeah, that's like that's what I'm thinking. That makes sense. Because, like... I guess Hitchcock did that. He Hitch- did. Hitchcock was always, like, kind mm. of redefining his, uh, his same kind of sense. Mm. And I think, like, Wes Anderson's an interesting example because, obviously, we brought him up for the O-Tours, too. Um, but he's sort of the like opposite where he was discovering his style and then he kind of as his films progressed started to kind of like hone in on that more yeah um and you know i get like jacob you don't you don't subscribe to like kind of the auteur idea uh but but like people like wes anderson will have a voice that that kind of comes through or like you know there's certain other filmmakers you could say probably scorsese like Refn, like David Lynch, Lynch for sure. They have this tonal yeah. capacity that sort of makes them auteur, um, but they always ch- they change a lot of what they do, or they're willing to embrace what makes this movie correct, or the ways that might make this movie correct to make. Lanthimos is kind of like that, where his shots from Dogtooth and then The Favorite have changed quite a bit, um, or even Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, hmm. where like Ozu was like never compromised on that it's like if it's the extreme of this is what it would look like if you only ever did one thing to tell it's almost, every story it's it's almost like he like not, not like if someone did this today they would create a lookbook and then every single movie that they made would subscribe to that lookbook mm-hmm. almost like a like an anthology yeah television show yeah totally but even like then, it's it's never. There's always variation. People will jump from handheld to Steadicam to framing all sorts of masters and right. shot reverse and you know like Ozu does some you of that. You start breaking but, the breaking the rules. Like the best episode of Breaking Bad is the one that like didn't uh, forward the plot at all. Oh, you like Fly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fly is a great episode. Yeah. Like it was just like about him and the Fly, and it was like the most it, it was freaking awesome yeah yeah that was one that ryan johnson he did do that one right that's what i thought yeah because he did that and he did ozymandias Um, yeah but uh but like like shows are an interesting example though too because shows the consistency for a show is more in the look of the show and obviously Mm -hmm. yes techniques like house of cards has a very particular way of shooting right which gives you that sort of feeling but i think what's more important than that is the actual look so like the color grade um, the color space, lighting, things like that. Um, and then directors are kind of a little bit more free within the, the capacities of the rule book to kind of play within that. 
uh, which a lot which really depends on the director. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. And it depends on the show. Uh, you know, yeah, like a show sure. like American Horror Story is going to give you a lot more leniency on what you do than something like House of Cards, which has a very unique right. style of mm-hmm. like you know if you're going to move your camera, it has to move in these very specific ways. Yeah. Um, but Ozu, like, the, especially coming from, you know, he made a couple of color films toward the end of his life, uh, but, you know, coming from black and white, so you, you lose that s- consistency through look a little bit. I mean, you still get the same kind of look sometimes with black and white, but not in the same way as, as the color space or that you that looks you get with having color space. So, like, his auteurism comes from the fact that he just stuck to these couple of things and just and just did it you know what i mean like there's like there's a just sort of a yeah. distinction there uh, and i think it is a little bit kind of circling around what ian said where it's like this boldness of just like i'm just gonna do what i do and right people yeah. will accept that or they won't um right so i mean even it's it's just a strong voice it is it is and it's i just think very strong voice I think it's just an interesting example of like what what how things could feel or how they could look if you were to go to that further extreme. Uh, right. If, if Wes Anderson never cut away from his storybook thing, you know, never brought in something to kind of refresh the film, this is what it would feel like all the way to the end, hmm. type of thing. Um, what, one thing. One thing that I really like about Ozu's kind of looks. Right, I've only seen this movie, so I can't speak to all of them, um, but. Uh, in this movie in particular it does like how he designs the shots feels like it comes from a very cultural place like because it, what, what do they call his low shots the tatami shots tatami shots like the fact that i mean they're like it's right in the name like people have already like thought like oh this is like as if you're observing from a tatami mm-hmm. mat or whatever those things are called um and uh it feels like that is coming from a place of like someone who is obviously of that culture. Yeah, I would agree with that. Especially like yeah, there there's a real specificity to how like, you know, flower arrangements for example, or like, you know, character writing. Like there there's a real specificity to like how things are ordered in a lot of different aspects in Japanese culture, and I think you can definitely see that in the way that he composes his shots. Which I like that. See, I, I love that. Yeah, like that. yeah. Because because then you have the other side too of the other side of the coin where Kurosawa, obviously famous filmmaker in his own right, but is much more westernized than what he did. I mean, literally mm-hmm. making westerns, but in the Japanese cinema. Right. Um, yeah. So allowing yeah, to have or to have another filmmaker who's so rigid to his Japanese roots is really interesting and allows you to kind of live in a a unique. Um, chunk of time that he like almost literally just pulled out this chunk of time and was like okay this is gonna be just like mm-hmm. frozen and you're gonna be able to view it and get a sense of what this time was really like yeah and you nice. you you really do just in, especially in the way that like if it's a family sitting around to a dinner table like you really get a like holistic picture of what everyone's doing at any given point right like you're 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 never like you never feel like kind of like cramped away from like one part of like how a scene is playing out like you really get to see the totality of everything right so yeah i definitely agree with your comment about like really feeling like that chunk of time is like that whole thing is playing out right in front of you absolutely i think it it's almost like a documentary but not 
Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like slice of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what, yeah. what I find also really interesting about his movies, and like you, you see this in Still Walking too, is that like there's there's a lot of like storytelling by omission. Like characters will like allude to things that happened in the past, but we never really get to experience that. Like we get this sense that the right. the dad in Tokyo story was like a drunk back when you know, the kids were growing up, but we don't really see that play out in, like, a very clear, dramatic way. And, like, we hear that, like, the son, they have a dead son, um, you know, and we don't really get much of a sense of their grief outside of, like, that one line, like, oh, it feels so nice to be sleeping in my dead son's bed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I, I do love that sense, though. Like, it's not as though we're, like, seeing these characters in the, like, most dramatic point of their lives, but we're, like, seeing them kind of, like, in the shadow of all those dramatic things that have already happened right and just kind of like seeing how they you know live their lives like in a way that kind of you know like is under the influence of that but it's also like their lives have also kind of moved on from that too right which yeah yeah we see that in both movies but especially i i found that that feeling really prominent in tokyo story more so which which honestly it makes the performance of all the characters with their kind of um formal look they're always be mm-hmm. smiling uh kind of yeah acting it that makes that way more powerful because yeah basically just putting on face like the whole movie yeah hide your emotions you're not allowed yeah, to hide yeah. emotions <laughs> yeah which is definitely like an aspect of you know the japanese character too right. but not it, so much to like hide your emotions but just kind of process them differently right and i think if if you can understand that then i think that this movie is way more painful to watch. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, if I watched it again, because, like, the first time I watched it, I was just like, what are they doing? You know what I mean? But now, like, I, I feel like knowing knowing oh. what I know now, knowing what happens in the story, what happens at the end, uh, and after this conversation, I feel mm-hmm. like I can rewatch this thing, and I can see it through the lens of, like, of, of that great pain that yeah. was behind the characters. And I think what really made this movie click for me was, like, I, I had, like, a death in my family back in college. Like, I had, like, an aunt who died. And, like, my I remember my dad talking about this process of, like, being with my uncle, watching her pass away. And then, like, right afterward, right after, you know, she died, they went to the kitchen and they made lunch. Like, oh. and when I watched this movie for the second time, like, my, you know, junior, senior year of college, like... That, that feeling, that, like, experience that he told me was, like, in the back of my mind. And I could, like, see that same feeling play out in the way that, like, you know, we see the mom die. And then immediately after, we have, like, this very, like, formal mourning ceremony. And they're, yeah. like, sitting around the table just, like, kind of, like, casually sharing a meal. And it's, like, this big, like, life-changing event has happened. But there's also, like, kind of, like, this mundanity and, like, this calmness and stillness too that's kind of like wrapped up in this like huge seismic thing that's just shaking their lives up yeah yeah i i think that like these movies are in my opinion like probably like the most accurate representations of life in that like we kind of see like the the biggest sorrows like wrapped up in just like these really mundane experiences and like you know we get to see like you know, especially in that scene in Tokyo Story where, like, all the, you know, drunk dads are talking about how they're disappointed in their kids, but it's also like, come on, man, your son's a doctor, why are you complaining about him? Yeah, right. But then you could also, you know, empathize with this point of view of, like, yeah, he's a doctor, but, like, I I still, you know, as a father, like, I wanted my son to be the greatest. 
Yeah. And like it, it's definitely like so true to life. Like you know, you want your life to turn out this great way. You want your kids to be the best, but they they kind of just like turn out. You know, they just turn out. They just turn out. Yeah, yeah. passable. But yeah, it's all kind of wrapped together. Both that like you know disappointment, but also fulfillment. Totally. Right, are all kind of one. That's, and I, I like that. And I really like that you had like a deeper connection to this movie mm. than other people do. Like, when, when I watch a movie and I'm able to connect with it on a deeper level because of a coincidence like that or because mm-hmm. of uh, of an experience that I've had, like a life experience, it really makes me appreciate the fact that it that a scene like that is in the movie. Yeah. You know, that where I can, like, oh, right. You know, like, that, like it, it, there's something really, like, powerful about that. And being able to, like, mm-hmm. see that and connect with it is... One of the greatest aspects of cinema, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Totally. And I just to, I'll just echo that a little bit here, right before we end. Um, with my grandma, my Vietnamese side of my family, passing, uh, and my grandpa kind of outliving her, you kind of saw something kind of similar. Where the way they deal with it too is like, it's not how you would expect, you know, um, mm. and it's just different. And then how kind of asian cultures kind of deal with it is just literally yeah or a lot of cultures in general you just you either have a lot of food around or you're making food mm. um, and anytime that there's like a sorrow or surrounding sort of an anniversary of that too like food you know like yeah like mm-hmm. you kind of experience it and you deal with it and you have the sadness and you know my family obviously was impacted by some by that but like the next thing you're doing is making a ton of food right? yeah and just going back to sort of a mundane or familiar feeling which generally has to do like eating is probably one of the most familiar things people have Mm -hmm. action wise so like you go back to that and then you find comfort in the familiarity but also being full and and right yeah you know what i mean so it's interesting i did i did have that sort of same feeling too where seeing how my side of the family kind of deals with that versus my other side of the family which is you know much more like Caucasian culture uh, uh-huh. is interesting. Um, so it's a they, cool. They go to Taco Bell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you want? Exactly. McDonald's Three after chalupas. the funeral. Um, yeah. But uh, just real quick, just to kind of end it here, did you, should we do a quick round table? Do you guys want to say what yeah. you preferred? Um, oh, man. This is going to be really hard. I want to guess. Okay. You want to guess? Yeah. Um, you can do me first. Okay. Well, uh, we'll start with you first. Um, okay. Hold on, real quick. We can do we can do Ian last. Uh, yep. So I feel like I know okay, the answer. So okay. Yeah. You we were think? you were frighteningly <laughs> you were frighteningly right last time. Yeah. So well, listeners, we 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 accidentally discarded one of Ian's episodes um, on Cutie Honey and Cashern. But uh, one thing you need to know is that I perfectly psychoanalyzed Ian Coleman. And it wasn't uh, even really like that's not even a opinions. joke. It was perfect. It was like spot it was on. perfect. You you started shivering. You were shivering in the, in this room with me. You're yeah, like, you were spot on. <laughs> well, let's start with Jacob because I read your diary. I cheated. You bastard. I know. So that's who broke into my house that's, that night. Yep. <laughs> I broke the lock on your diary. I found the I couldn't find the diary key, so I just smashed it with a hammer. <laughs> Um, now that explains that too. <laughs> let's uh, let's start with Jacob and real okay. quick. I think it's Tokyo Story because I think you find tend to find a lot of respect for the old films and ones that are always called greats. Uh, you you tend to really see why they're the the greats. Um, 
And I don't know, you have a respect for style and for respect for this, this, this type of filmmaking. It's just bold filmmaking. Yeah, I'm also going to say it's Tokyo Story. Um, I think, yeah, you you seem to really kind of like, you know, gravitate toward like the more like specific, and like very highly specific like style of this movie. And I think that, you know, there was just like a lot more of that for you to kind of pick apart and really analyze from a filmmaking perspective. And I, I think you latched onto that with this movie. Yeah. No, you guys are both right. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's totally Toker's story. Those reasons are very valid, but there's other reasons too. Is that I just feel like this movie has captured an essence of humanity that mm. um, ever that is universal. Um, and so, yeah, it is very Japanese. You know, very Japanese. But I think, um, like the loss of tradition and feeling like your kids are disappointments but also awesome at the same time and just like just the like layers of humanity that are in the movie i just i i like that i like that that was the what was captured in this film so for that that alone i think would just get it for me but then to have the the weird camera angles and the low you know stuff and the center frame conversations where they're practically looking at the camera it's like the coolest thing i've ever seen um so yeah definitely but i still i still like still walking i think it's good but i i you know that movie is like to me just feels like a nice love letter to tokyo story Mm, um and is like hey here's here's today's tokyo story Mm -hmm. and i think today just isn't the most impactful transitional period Mm. um where tokyo story that was like a huge transition for generations so it's a, a little more important i think for for that reason definitely all right so uh we'll do me and then we can jump to ian we'll uh end with ian i think um, i think it's tokyo i let i think um it's black and white you know <laughs> the decision is black and it's, white it's black and white <laughs> yeah um no yeah you like black and white movies um i know you appreciate older movies like like i do um so yeah and i i I think that neither of these movies are really um ones that you would gravitate towards normally but i still think that you um appreciated both of them for like what they are you know because i know you're you're not a big you're pretty big on like show don't tell and this movie, well, both these movies were very, very tell. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, because because they were tell, they made way for other things that were very interesting. And I think that you uh, were surprised at, by that and appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I'm going to go also with Tokyo Story just because of it's, like, you know, historical importance and, like, its influence over, like, all these other filmmakers who you clearly think about a lot and enjoy, um, you know, whether, like, you recognize that influence or not, I think that, you know, you picked up on that, and, yeah, I, I think that there was, like, kind of more for you to chew on as a, you know, lover of filmmaking on Tokyo Story than there was in Still Walking, which, like, you know, 
yeah it's uh, it it does what it does really well um but yeah it also is like you know it could not exist without this thing that came before so i think that That's you know true. you gravitated toward the og that's yeah. really OG mono no aware. It's sort of tough because when you phrase it like that, like this one thing couldn't exist without the other, then it's sort of like you're almost stuck with having to choose the one, like with Tokyo Story. Right. They're actually really, really close for me, though, surprisingly. And I almost think still walking edges Tokyo Story out, but I don't know. Ooh. Like, I don't actually mm. know. It's the butterfly how scene. How I feel. Uh, the butterfly scene. The is butterfly great. scene. That yeah, was a great scene best scene in the movie i don't know dude but i like Tokyo story a lot and i can see the impact of it and its importance and ozu's style being so important to talk about in cinema language so they're so even for me like i don't even know which one to really choose um to be quite honest i don't know it's like so you could either let us be right or be an <laughs> asshole <laughs> so you choose <laughs> my gut like wants me just to lean towards still walking just because it's like i don't know it caught me off guard like those films like it reminds me of like in the mood for love where i wasn't like i yeah my expectations for it were just like i don't know if i'm really gonna like this and then i ended up liking it right where tokyo story was like i know i'm gonna be watching this with the intent of seeing what is so important about it like mm. and kind of yeah. analyzing it from that regard so it's like I don't know, man. I don't know. I think it's just a mindset thing, too. Like, still walking. I watched Still Walking first. So maybe that affects it a little bit. Right. I don't know. It's the I really the don't know. Sophie's choice of uh, of movie picks. The what choice? Sophie's choice. <laughs> what is Sophie? You gotta... Oh, you... It, it's it's this book that's about this, this mom who... Um, you know, like she and her two daughters were like taken prisoner during like the in like a Nazi concentration camp, and she had to choose which kid lived and which one died, and she could only pick one. <laughs> that seems a little bit more extreme than my choices, but uh, <laughs> they are both feeling like my children right now, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure which right. one well, to really kill. Think of it like this: I think, I think, I think Tokyo Story is your grandpa. <laughs> and uh, still walking is your dad, maybe older brother. Hmm. Mm, okay, that's an interesting way to think about it. Older brother who's a who's a better filmmaker who you're jealous of. You are in a shadow, and if you <laughs> killed him, then maybe um, you would take his place in the um, in 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 the audience's eyes, <laughs> and just have my dad frown upon me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly I don't know I think I think still walking I liked more just right now but I think I like Tokyo Story more because it's like it is so unique and it is so influential and so different like I like the fact that it's so different it's one of those yeah it's one of those envelope pushers um I don't know man I legitimately just don't have an answer. Undecided. It kind of, I kind of have to be. Like I don't know. We've never, we've never gone undecided before. So this is a first. This is a bold. I don't know if we're allowed to. This is a bold move. (laughs) Um, I guess if I had to make a choice today, I would say still walking. Just, just because it caught me a little bit off guard. But like, it's not really like I liked it more choice. If that makes sense. So you guys are both right still. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, so both of these, <laughs> um, let's let's do Ian real quick and wrap up. Um, 
You talked a lot about to- Tokyo Story. I noticed. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Focus on that, and you had some things to say about still walking, but I think a lot of what you had to say was still walking was so wrapped up in Tokyo Story. Like if you mm. talk about Tokyo Story, you talk about the other, uh, kind of like you said. And I think with the with the having seen it a couple of times, not liking it the first time, and then kind of growing up and and then finding connection to it is a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with Tokyo Story. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna. I I think Keith is right, and I th- I think that you're. Uh, if I think it comes down to a simple thing. If it weren't for the um, experience you had with your aunt in college, uh, and the story about the the food, I, I think it would be Tokyo Story. But because of your personal experience, I think it is still walking. Hmm. You know, I'm honestly. Okay, so here's here's my take. I think Still Walking is an easier film for me to just kind of pop in and watch. 100%. Like, yes. yeah, sure. I, you know, like, I have to be in a much more specific mood to watch an Ozu film. Like, if I'm watching, if I pop in an Ozu film and I'm feeling kind of, like, restless or preoccupied, like, I'm just not going to get into it at all. Um, but, you know, when I am in that right mindset... Um, I think I, I find his movies to be like super rich and really rewarding. So I think that Tokyo Story is like the the richer film. I think it, it leaves me, you know, thinking about more at the end. But in terms of like watchability, it's like definitely still walking. Like I, you know, I can pop it in and, you know, like I can really have like a really rich, enjoyable experience with it. Um, but I think like Tokyo Story leaves a lot more for me to like really chew on and I, I definitely feel like more of a like a like a a kick to yeah. my spirit after watching Tokyo Story than still walking despite the fact that like you know the 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 era and like the you know the cultural aspect of it like you know not as strong of a connection there but it's also leaves me jostled in a way that not a lot of movies do so I don't know I don't really know what my answer is I would say from like a pure enjoyment watchability perspective it's still walking but from like uh you know you know love this movie think about it find it very rewarding perspective it's tokyo story right like i i feel like if if we were right now at the time where to like the events of uh tokyo story are Mm -hmm. happening like today Mm -hmm. and um you know and ozu made that movie today mm-hmm. with our modern language I like it would just be a, a total masterpiece that would, would come out like mm-hmm. it would be so important and everyone would get it yeah but the movie is very aged <laughs> you know yeah it is very old but it still does feel universal like that 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 like family dynamic experience um like that's that's still something that I think like I, I can I, I, one thing that I definitely gravitated toward that I didn't think about so much the last time I watched it was, you know, like how I as like a, you know, grown up adult with my own life, you know, treat my parents and like just kind of right. made me reflect on that. And I think that with both these movies, like I'm going to like my opinion on them is going to change depending on what kind of stage of life that I'm at. And I think that's what makes like, you know, all these movies really rewarding is like there is always going to be a character for me to empathize with mm-hmm. right yeah like I, mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense i i could see that with still walking a lot more too like mm-hmm. it gives you that ability to 
uh, relate to any of the characters, mm-hmm. like any of the three generations in there. Where um, I think Tokyo's story is like more specific to being about the loss of tradition, mm-hmm. you know, and the loss of the like it. It does leave some some room in there, I guess, but there is something very powerful about like the end of like they're like seeing the end of like their culture Mm -hmm. you know and that's like just like insane like that just like overshadows all the tiny details yeah and just like watching it just like die this quiet death yeah it's not even like this huge loss it's just like this thing that like quietly passes on there's no like ceremony there's no like homage yeah is he's just like it's just done yeah interesting so fucked up yeah (laughs) love it well uh thank you for bringing these two films to us because i think it was a refreshing take um it gets us out of our cycle i think we have we kind of there's a pattern to i think the things we talk about and the films we cover so it's nice to have it upset a little bit um and Mm. and do something completely different um right really both of the episodes that you've done and mm-hmm. only keith and byron and i were blessed with the first episode unfortunately <laughs> but uh but I, I uh but both the sets of films that you picked were excellent for for me things that i just mm-hmm. haven't dove into at all and uh that we needed to that i think well, yes i'm always happy to pop your cherries oh yeah you <laughs> You did it four different times. Uh, <laughs> oof. That's oh, that's <laughs> oof. We can cut there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that brings us to the end here. We're not going to do a pitch this week, uh, just because the last minute—I mean, really last minute—change with Byron uh, and who will be back. Hopefully, I hope. Who knows? With water damage to your place, like it become it can become a really big issue really quick. So we will see kind of where that lands uh, with the next two films that we will be talking about if uh, eventually, a couple weeks from now, next week, I don't know, will be Dogtooth and Alps with Lanthimos, um, which would be a great discussion because Lanthimos is, you know, he's a weirdo, weird. He's like a normal guy. Like I've been listening to interviews with him he's like, and he's fairly straightforward, but his films are just super weird. So I'm excited to to delve into those um but uh yeah that's it thank you ian for bringing oh, yeah. these and, and being on the show uh definitely you know i know that there were some issues the first time um so we'll definitely have you on again if you're oh i would love to interested. great um, i would absolutely love to fantastic keep picking weird movies oh i definitely <laughs> will i've got a couple i got a couple in mind because the other the other choices i think were what godzilla and shin godzilla right, right. So yeah that was which a, you would just overshadow you that would just be an ian only podcast <laughs> i mean just like monologuing just and give frothing you the and raving yeah for 90 minutes <laughs> yeah just for you to talk <laughs> quoting direct lines out of the movie yeah i think yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we also create the whole movie <laughs> In their original Japanese dialogue, because exactly. I've seen them both so many times. Right. We'll have to get someone to to translate it and talk yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we also talked about doing like a Wong Kar Wai episode, which I'm still totally oh, down for. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. We want to watch more of his stuff. Definitely. Yeah, I'd love to do like a Chunking Express and Fallen Angels. Yeah. I watched Chunking recently. Um, uh, I want to so watch good. Fallen Angels for, for sure. In the Did Mood watch- for Love is still my favorite one so far. Yeah, I'd agree. Did you watch Chunking on the Criterion Channel? 
So have you watched it? I think. No, I think because there was like no because I tried to watch it and then remember I think there was that password issue, and oh, then right. like I just decided to watch it in a different way because so, I just oh, wanted yeah. to watch it. Uh, Vagueness is important. Yeah, so so uh, <laughs> I did end up watching it though. It was interesting. It's an interesting movie. Um, nice. Definitely, yeah. I want to talk about it as in, in context with in the mood for love and fallen angels, and probably like twenty forty six or something. We have to pick which movies, but uh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can if, talk about any of those. If, yeah, if that's the one you want to come back on, for sure, we can have yeah, one definitely. for that. Um, That'd be dope. And, uh, which could be soon. I don't know. Long Car Wise okay. on my mind, for sure. So Yeah, no, just let, just let me know. For sure, will do. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And whatever Byron says. Bye, guys. Thank, yeah, or, yeah. no, he says, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. That's there you go. Is.